Oh, hi. What are you doing here? Uh, me? Yeah. I don't know. I just kind of not doing anything today. Uh, uh me either. Um, nothing special today. It's not a special day at all. No, it's it's just a Thursday. Wait, there is something today. What? Well, it's two days after the anniversary of JFK's assassination. So. Oh, yeah. Um, I always like to celebrate two days after this. <laughs> just <laughs> specifically two days after. Did that happen on, on the 21st? Yeah, 21st of November of 1996. Well, 1963. 1963. <laughs> that is what I said. I did not say 1996. Um, well, uh, yeah, that's what I heard too. Um, November 22nd, 1963. Oh, I am sorry. I got oh, it twice wrong. Big fan. Big fan of, uh, of JFK assassination. Um, I did want to talk to you about something. Though. What? Um, it's really important about today. Um, people are saying that Beat the Meep uh, isn't real. And I think you and I both know this is a conspiracy that reaches yes, of course. to higher and higher, higher levels of government, and it, we have to put a stop to it. Also, I found this, this tape. Did you mm-hmm. get that tape too? It said that we both got yeah, tapes. Yeah. I got that. I got that tape, which yeah. in fact contains evidence that Beep the Meep is real. Yeah, but there's also another tape that said it has like it says PW nineteen sixty three. Did you get that? Oh, one too? that's I saw that one. Yeah, um, I think that one also has proof Beep the Meep is real. <laughs> I mean, every every tape does. It's 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 yes. what we're talking in Beep School, um, but. I I feel like do you want to play it? I don't know. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Nothing, nothing special today. One day after the 60th <laughs> anniversary of JFK assassination. Um, write this. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I got my tape player. Let's let's just put it in. And see what 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 happens. It says here it might be a recording of a of a of a radio show from 1963. I don't know. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Well, play on player. Play on player. And a podcast. Television show much better what? if there was some kind of 
radio program that conversed with me about the show as it happened. Some On the wireless, of, yes, the wireless. Yes, of course, yes, as yes. if it was watching watching along with me, and I thought, oh, what a wonderful idea, and so we took yes. it to the BBC, and now we're here, we oh. are producing Potter Who Cast, mm -hmm. it is of course 1963. Yes. That is the date it is in. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Of course, uh, that jolly old fellow. John F. has, uh, has, has left us. Spoke to be murdered but one day ago. Yes, the anniversary. Well, actually, we are talking about the entirety of the first story of yes. Doctor Who. So that means it was actually yes. a couple of weeks ago, yes. Yes, because as, as, as you well know, this four-part serial aired from November 23rd to December 14th, 1960. <laughs> Sorry, it's been caught in my throat there. Um, that's better. It was broadcast on November 23rd to December 14th of this year, 1963. Um, yes. And I did hear that the, the jolly, jolly writers were C.E. Weber and one Anthony Coburn. I'm sure Anthony Coburn will never uh, generate... Wonderful man. Yes. A yes, wonderful I'm man. I, I had the pleasure of speaking to him and he said, I hope in 60 years and my grandchild makes a fuss about this mm -hmm. and they said what are you talking about Anthony and he said it'll make sense in 60 years uh, and of course, I suppose that's the kind of mind you want working for a show about time travel of course uh, and directed by War Hussein um, now on the show we are going to do a very very fashionable thing and give you just a bit of the little character of of the, the program uh, is called a the summary show. Yes, the gist, the summary. If you want. Well, you should call it a summary. I think uh, the summary. I think summary is a much better name. But yes, of course. Um, there are these two school teachers named Ian and Barbara, and they're concerned about their student Susan Foreman, who exhibits strange behaviours, I must say, and appears to live in a junkyard. Uh, one night, they decide to follow her home, and they find a blue police box, which, of course, we use every day. Uh, but this one seems to be throbbing with energy, and this strange old man who calls himself the Doctor, who is apparently Susan Foreman's grandfather, don't you know? Um, he shows up, and Susan reveals she's inside the box. And they go inside, these three uh, charming young adventurers, and they discover that the box is a spaceship. And not only is it a spacecraft, like from the, the creepy crawlies on the movie screen, Baker on the inside. Whoa. This doctor what fellow. A concept. Is, what a concept. What a concept. These two people, the doctor and Susan, are from the future. And they are in exile from their home planet. Ian, the dashing young hero, attempts to break free, but in doing so, squabbles over their little controls and it sends the ship which Susan has labeled the TARDIS back in time. They go back to caveman times and this, there is a tribe called the Tribe of Gum and they're having a leadership crisis with Cal who was sent in from a different tribe and Zah who they are um apologies I've lost my place in my notes uh they are fighting over who should, who should be their leader. The idea of creating fire is central to this conflict. Kel kidnaps a doctor, having seen him light a match to light his pipe. 
the other's gold wound. They try to rescue him, but they, they too are captured and they put in the cave of skulls. Which is full of, well, skulls. And they are freed by an elderly cave woman named Old Mother, who is murdered by Cal, and Cal frames Zah. Zah and his wife, her, go out to find the, the people, the travelers. But Zah is attacked by an animal. They save Zah, although the doctor wants to kill him with a rock. And they bring him back to the tribe, and they expose Cal for the traitor that he is. They drive him away from the tribe, but the tribe, although thankful, want the doctor and his friends to be new members of the tribe, so they imprison them in the Cave of Skulls. Cal breaks back in and attempts to kill Za, but he sees the fire that Ian has lit and is mesmerized before he fights Za, but Za kills him with a rock. Susan discovers an apology. I apologize for my language here. Susan discovers that putting a skull on some fire looks metal as fuck. And they put four of them together and escape, scaring the cavemen and allowing them to escape back to the ship. Just about them. As they leave, the doctor says, well, we cannot go back to 1963 because the ship is very erratic, you know? And they arrive on the jungle planet and they check the radiation meter and it says the levels are fine. But once they leave, the meter goes up to critical. They are in danger. But that is all we have seen. Now, I wish to talk to you. Yes. About how you feel about this particular temporal anomaly? Temporal anomaly. Temporal anomaly. Well, of course, I, this is the first time I'm seeing it. I have not seen it before because there is no such thing as home media for me to watch this. <laughs> but uh, the first time I the first time I watched this, I thought, you know, uh, the first episode so good, and then the other three so boring. This time, not so much. This time I was a little bit more interested in the mm. other three episodes. I, I think it's maybe because I know that there is like. 11 part serials coming up so i'm kind of like oh it's only four parts oh thank god let's go mm -hmm. but i feel like it's um it's surprisingly atmospheric you know mm -hmm. it's surprisingly mm -hmm. like uh simple and scary and uh it works despite all of its faults mm -hmm. or, or or should i say despite everything that it has working against it mm-hmm the thing that really shocked me the most was that, like, there's a character arc for the Doctor in this one, right? Like, there's mm -hmm. he starts off as, like, this uh, absolutely anti-human prickly person. Mm -hmm. And by the end, he's like, oh, no, let's work together. By the end, there's that moment where, where Ian, uh, where somebody asks, like, you are the leader of your tribe. And Ian goes, no, he is the leader. And he points at the Doctor. And it's like, oh, like they, they kind of they're recognizing each other, you know? Mm -hmm. So, that's pretty fun. That's pretty good. Mm -hmm. I I liked it. I, yeah, so this time I had a much bigger blast watching it. I also think it is so well-directed. Uh, there's so many moments here where I was like, like, wow, that is really good. For 1963, that is mm -hmm. really good. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the only part that made me go, you know, oh, this is a serial, is... Uh, 
when they get back into the cave of skulls, I'm like, are we really got are we back to this cave? Jesus Christ. Please just let them get out of this cave. It's the uh, cave of skulls. It's the cave of skulls, which is why I don't understand why they when they go in and they see more skulls, they're like, oh it's like what? Like that is that is isn't was, that the name of this cave? It's the purpose of the cave. Maybe maybe it was yeah. called the cave of skulls before they put skulls in there, and they were like, "Oh, well, that fits." Um, I do agree. Yeah, I think ultimately, like, it's quite atmospheric, but like, there's some problems with the scripting stuff like that. Like, they're kind of back and constantly back and forth of like, we gotta go back to the cave of skulls. We just came from the cave of skulls. We gotta go back to the cave of skulls. Um, another part that um. I mean, I, I, I think is what we'll get to another problem. I have. Another part as well is that, um, and this isn't like this isn't really their problem. It kind of is a problem that they cause, but it's not really their problem. Um, the people who play Cal and Zah look so similar at, at points. I was like, yes, which, which yes, is this? they do. Which yeah. is when, yeah, when when uh, when he comes back and when uh, Zah comes back into the cave and like to to talk to them i thought that's cal like how did cal but it took me a second to realize mm-hmm. oh no actually that is za mm-hmm. but yeah i feel like um i feel like the whole central conflict of the the tribe is really captivating me this time i think the big difference is that this time i was like more willing to engage with the show as it exists as opposed to being like this is slow and different than the the than some imaginary revival that hasn't happened yet. Uh, but this but this time I was like, okay, let's engage this on its own terms. Let's like actually sit down and watch it. And I think once you do that, and once you like accept that it's gonna be different, you you open yourself up. There's so many little moments there, like when the doctor's like, there is no blood on this knife, this knife is mm-hmm. bloody, you killed this old woman. Or when um the daughter of uh, her, I think is his name, she's like Oh, it's weird. She looked at me the way a mother looks at a baby, even though I am not her child. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, they don't know what kindness is. That was so fascinating to me personally. Mm-hmm. And I also very much, uh, my favorite, favorite, favorite part of this entire episode, without a doubt, had to have been when uh, the when Zai is hurt and is figuring out how to get him back. And the doctor grabs a stone... Because he's like, oh, no, we got to get out of here. We, we can't be, we got to go back to the ship, blah, blah, blah. The doctor grabs a stone and he's ready to murk that guy. He's mm-hmm. like, I am, I am three seconds away from killing this person. And then Ian grabs his hand and then he goes, oh, I was just going to, I was just going to show, show, get him to draw the way to the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that's it. They never bring it back up. But it's such a powerful moment where you're like, this guy's like. I gotta get like I gotta get out of here ASAP ASAP. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. Um, let's kill this guy. Let's kill this guy. Uh, yeah, I, I on the notably directing the the um the fight that they have when it's Cal and Zah. I think that's like shot and edited so well. It's like so cinematic. Mm-hmm. It's so atmospheric. It's so the fight. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I cuts to like like um, Caroline Ford and like William Russell just watching on. Yes, yeah, it's great. Yes, absolutely. That's Mm -hmm. I also like that fight. I think again, there's so many moments here where just like little directing choices where you're like, this was made in 1963 for a a television show. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like 
uh, there's 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 like a little like Jonathan Demi straight down the camera uh, close up in the first episode, and it's so weird. And, well, I mean, not weird like a bad way, but it's so mm-hmm. shocking. You just kind of get knocked out of it, and it's like wow. I feel like the way they shoot uh, the flashbacks in the first episode, showing Susan saying all those things, it's really good too. Really fascinating. I think in a whole, like the thing that really shocked me about this episode is just how well directed it is. You know, I feel like mm-hmm. we have this image of of these brand new TV shows, uh, Doctor <laughs> these brand new sh- this brand new TV show, Doctor Who. We have an image of mm-hmm. of it being slow and like very play like and not at all cinematic because of the constraints of the limit of the time of the budget. But you watch this and it's like. No, that doesn't feel like that. It really does feel like they're, okay, let's do this. Let's do this shot. Let's do a different shot. They really managed to make a lot. I kind of realized by the end of like episode three that the jungle felt so much larger than it probably actually was, you know? Mm-hmm. The jungle was probably one room, but but they somehow made it feel like so much bigger. Mm-hmm. I will say that um, there is a weird temporal thing with this tape that you listen to. We know we listen to tape. Um, that allows us to see into the future sometimes and also change their accents to um, other people's accents. Um, but you can, you can, you know, we're, 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 we're hit with time energy. Um, another line that I like, and it's one that, um, that I think, I think definitely will be uh, reintroduced uh, by a Scottish writer in the year. 20, 2015 is um, Fear Makes Companions of Us All. Um, mm-hmm. I really like that line. Um, you know, people, and I'm getting this from the future as well, people will often express their shock that Barbara is a conservative voter. She's a conservative party supporter. Mm-hmm. But when you factor in that her her whole thing was let's follow this child home and bother her, bother her and see what she does in her her private life. Uh, I never caught that. Mm-hmm. Right. I think, I think maybe it makes sense when you look through that lens. Um, we should talk about the the opening episode of this four parts uh, story. Um, this mild curiosity in the junkyard. Um, it's as atmospheric as the other ones, the um when they the opening where the the policeman walks past and mm-hmm. they go into the junkyard. It's so, such an atmospheric yeah. opening shot. Like mm-hmm. I, I know we use that word, and there is the love the fact that like we we are talking from a position of we have seen sixty years of the show gone by. So mm-hmm. that shot has the imbued like meaning and power that it comes from being the first shot of a sixty year old show. But at the same time, it is just a really fucking good shot. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I, started this and I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this thinking. I have never seen Doctor Who before. I was hooked. Like, from the moment you see that first shot of the, the, the policeman walking past the police box. And it's just like, why is that police box in there? What is that doing in there? And the fact that it's... This is one of those... I feel like a lot of people, when they watch black and white stuff, they feel like... I can't really connect because it's black and white and it's it's shot differently. But here I think this is a situation where the black and white really helps it feel so much more alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because specifically they're 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 depicting 
a very cons- a very like claustrophobic world you know the cave everything is so like restrained constrained you know mm-hmm. and so the black and whiteness of it all helps i think for example that whole sh- sequence with the fight at the end of episode 4 doesn't work if they are um in full color and you mm-hmm. can see you know i can see other end of the set in that fight the, the the cave looks enormous it all looks so much bigger than it actually was and there's this effect that happens and i've never seen it happen in my well, i haven't really seen a lot of like old color tv but when they light the fire for the first time there's like this very brief black spot within the fire mm-hmm. and i was just like wow it really made the fire seem like and fire is a thing you've seen so many times and i like the little line where they go like in our tribe everyone knows how to make fire so fire is an important but the fact that like it really made the fire seem like a big deal. Mm-hmm. In fact, it takes them until episode like four to make fire, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's three episodes of like fire, 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 and then they make it. And even though it's something you've seen so many times, the way they shoot it and the fact that it's black and white television really helps them make you feel like, oh, this is a big deal. Yeah, this is a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, yeah. I think it's just, it's just marvelous. Um, I do think maybe, you know, it's very easy to say that maybe if they had, you know, started off with them going into space rather than going to back in time as their first thing. Although, you know, the whole thing with it being the caveman first is because of, you know, production issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. It's, I, I just love how, like, you know, it's so sincere. It's so, like, you know, it's 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 so confident in what it's doing, you know, even when mm-hmm. like, you know, it can drag, even when, you know, you get like this the whole kind of you know back and forth, it's still so confident being like, you know, we're like you should pay attention to us because we're like, you know, we're here, we're we're Yeah. Gonna be important. You gotta listen to us for or watch us for, you know, next four weeks and then, you know, you're hooked. And also so many spots in here where, where they could feel with some kind of like, I don't know, some kind of audio based box set story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. many little lines where they can add all these. <laughs> but yeah, it, it really it is very it's such a very confident episode. I mean, there's stuff missing from the show because they just haven't come up with it yet. You know, mm-hmm. they haven't come up with Time Lords or Regeneration. They just haven't come up with all of it. So... But at the same time, it doesn't feel like it's there. You look at it, and you're like, yep, there it is. That's Doctor Who. Like, mm-hmm. I can show this to somebody and be like, I- I'll still have to be like, hey, this was from the 60s, okay? You got to keep that in mind. But at the same time, I can be like, but that's Doctor Who. That's mm-hmm. the show. There really is nothing. It is pound for pound one of the most confident TV pilots I've ever seen. Where you're like, the show knows what it wants and knows what it's going to do it. And by God, it's going to keep doing it for 60 years to come. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Although, um, from what I understand, um, the only the only times you ever see Cal and Za and her will be in the pages of a magazine devoted to this television program. In a comic, it'll never work. It'll never work. But this comic strip where uh, uh, a younger bow tie wearing person who says that the Doctor doesn't know how that works meets Ian and Barbara, and they're chased by. Uh, these cavemen who are now imbued with the power of like sun gods who are aliens 
Um, I would actually like to see that. I think it, I think it, if it, I yeah. was if I could go into the future sixty years and mm-hmm. say work for some man whose name rhymes with musty uh, tea rabies. I would do a story with the tribe of gum. I feel like I feel like that would be kind of interesting mm-hmm. to well, like go back and see the effect because because like the way this ends is surprisingly like dour. Mm-hmm. They just leave and it's like yeah they just leave and it's over. And now mm-hmm. this guy doesn't have fire, even though he mm-hmm. just he just got it after all this time. And it's like if he had just fucking just like listened to them, he probably would have learned how to make fire and would have gotten it. You know. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know if you have been allowed to do that in sixty years' time, um, I have a feeling there'd be something stopping you. Um, something that, that likes to talk about conspiracy theories. Um, well, so talk about, it's it's quite Shakespearean. I think I think it's really aiming for that kind of you know, you know a lot of shows mm-hmm. like aim for that kind of like full Shakespearean right yeah. Thing. And this is like really like amping up. Um. I, I, I really love the performance of one William Hartnell. Um, I think he's so good, um, especially in the first episode when he's like, you know, he's playing around with the with the two school teachers. And he's he's trying to throw them off. Um, I uh, um, in that you mentioned that scene where he's like this knife. There's no blood. He's so extra. He's he's very catty. I I find in this. He's like you know he's he's being like you know so dramatic in his movements. He's like swapping. He's like throwing the knife around. He's he's being very sarcastic and snappy. And you know he's really he's really gonna you know he's up for he's up for 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 fighting these cavemen. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um. I have the meat and the stick and the piece of skin. Uh, Za is the original Arby's because he has the meat. Because <laughs> he has uh, the meat. Mm-hmm. And he's really good. And the piece of skin. Um, speaking of Za, Za, of course, um, seen to the future, originally had the role of Shelley the Machine Levine in Glengarry and Ross, which is quite crazy. Um, oh. Uh, uh, I, yeah. I also found, I found a really uh, funny fact that I... <laughs> I <laughs> Uh, apparently, <laughs> the original names for the companions were going to be Bridget, Lola, and Cliff. <laughs> with uh, which uh, I love that actually. And mm-hmm. please, uh, um, we want Bridget, Lola, and Cliff. It, that they should they should have a moment where you know they go back to the sixties and they see people who, who who from behind look like the first Doctor. Uh, uh, Susan, Barbara, and Ian, and then they turn around. And it goes, yes, it is I, Bridget, <laughs> <laughs> Cliff, and Lola. Oh, um, it would be crazy if they ever made two movies based on this television program with Peter Cushion as Doctor Who and someone else as Susie Who. Um, yeah, yeah. Before we wrap up, I just want to say, uh, I just found out that apparently. C.S. Lewis and Aldous Huxley both died on the same day as JFK, which to me is insane to think mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. 
and, and they all died before Doctor Who came on the air. They were all like, we gotta go, guys. <laughs> we see yeah. we, we, I'm out. <laughs> we, we've seen um we've we've seen uh beep the meep. We we can't we can't we can't live the same thing. <laughs> Somebody went up to Aldous Huxley and said, Yeah, you wrote Brave New World. Well, let me tell you about this TV show. It was like, nah, 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 I gotta go, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, is this is this Lee Harvey Oswald? Uh, you're free. On, <laughs> you're free next week. I got. I got. I got to get out of here. The only way to do that is to kill the president. <laughs> um, you, you know, it's so funny. So there's so many stories that that they go back to like December twenty, uh, November twenty third, nineteen sixty three, mm-hmm. and it's like by now there should be a time lock around that fucking day. <laughs> It's like nobody go here anymore. Stop, stop. There's too many people in this place. Whew. Um okay, let's wrap it up. Temporal anomaly. Temporal anomaly. Temporal anomaly. Well, thank you for listening to that, that television program or radio show, I should say. Ha <laughs> ha. Um the BBC. Yes. Um uh, mm, the BBC. Apologies if you heard any strange uh, fuzz during the recording. It may have been something to do with their clock. Their clocks start to turn fast forward quite quickly. Um, and strange things happened to do with time. We don't know what happened. Um, but thank you very much. And yes, we will see you again next, next month for some more recapping of this television program. Recapitulating. Yes. Uh, unless, for some reason, and in fact, I think they should do this, the BBC decides to destroy all tapes of this program. Oh. I, th- yes. I, I think they should do this, of course. Yes. Destroy yes. every tape. Uh, right. But yes. then, when you get to 1970s, uh, stop destroying tapes. And then, yes. <laughs> and they just keep going, why do we destroy all these tapes? Yes. Oh, and they're, they're. A man named Ian, Ian will spend most of his life living off the fact he jumped into a skip to save these. Um, but yes, of course. Um, jolly ho, pip pip, and see you again. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That was a really weird. You know, that was one of my grandparents, and I think they hated it. And I'm going to make sure the BBC never gets this tape unless they pay Mm -hmm. me 20,000 pounds. Oh, yeah. Um, I actually did. This is not a reference to anything. I I stopped listening to the tape. Uh, I will admit, I got distracted by a. a, There was a cool dog outside. Um, It might have been Beat the Meep, who is real. And if if you don't believe that, you are just. You're not paying attention, you know? Anyway, yeah. Anyway, let's go and uh, prepare for um, for whatever's it's Mars and Mars next. Let's go prepare for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And not it's Mars and Mars, and there's nothing going on in the air in two days. Oh, apart that's from what it was. Ap- ap- apart from the celebration of three days after JFK. Yes, that's what it was the JFK <laughs> three day celebration. <laughs> <laughs> the three days three days after JFK assassination <laughs> celebration. Yes, of hosted course. by Jimmy Fallon and James Gordon. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's crazy, Jimmy.
Um, that's yeah. I can't believe it. We're going to. <laughs> this is not what it sounds like. <laughs> I can't believe it. We are three days after JFK got murdered. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy, James. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, we we recorded all that by accident. Oh no, that's that's embarrassing. Oh no, I'll I'll throw it on. I'll throw it on on Thursday for JFK. You know, just remember JFK. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Let's go. Let's go prepare for the next thing. I'm. This is my right. chair that makes fart noises. I'm not farting. I keep saying I'm not farting. I'm not farting. It's my chair. Okay. Bye. Bye bye.